Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. You can support this podcast at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. This week's Lotto to Marathon winner is Miranda Calhoun of Joliet, Illinois. Miranda will receive a marathon decal showing she watched 26.2 hours of her favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at lawandorderpodcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoy and Molly McCain, and these are their stories. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Law and order, law and order, law and order. It's no ordinary police procedural, baby. It's the FNOG of police procedures, baby. Law and order, law and order, law and order, law and order. These are their stories, these are their stories. Welcome to These Are Their Stories, the podcast about Network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn, and each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent SVU or Original Recipe. And today we're looking at Special Victims Unit Season 3, Episode 11, Monogamy. Baby was alive, now it's dead. What's the problem? The problem is whether or not we can establish the baby was legally a person. And how do we do that? Prove the baby was born alive according to New York state law. Joining me to do just that is true crime author and the host of Crime Writers On and Slate's Mom and Dad are Fighting Podcasts, Rebecca Lavoy. Hello, Rebecca. Come and knock on my door, Kevin. <laughs> Have is you that been waiting old for reference? me? It's, it, <laughs> it shall be made clear. Uh, rounding out our panel is our very special guest from a previous episode of this podcast. <laughs> Best friend Molly McCain. Hi, Molly. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Rebecca. We, we have established that you don't have a podcast. No, I don't. However... She's not on Twitter. Not on Twitter. <laughs> I'm your top secret special guest star. You are very wonderful at this, and you should have your own podcast. And, and she's you, a lawyer. And she's a lawyer. So she'll occasionally be able to weigh in on legal things. So you've been on These Are Their Stories, and you've been on the HGTV and Me podcast, and I want to know, how has your life changed? Since then? Yeah, since then. Well, obviously, podcasting has brought me a lot of fame and fortune. I had a spike after HGTV and me. A lot of people did come to my Instagram to look at the pictures of chickens. <laughs> and so that was really exciting. I feel very famous. I haven't seen a lot of financial benefits yeah. to it. Neither I, have we. <laughs> <laughs> I think, but I do enjoy it. I enjoy the little taste of fame. I may get on Twitter. I would love to do a podcast. I just don't know what it would be about. Yeah. You also don't have a microphone in your house like we do. I don't, but I feel like I could come to your house and borrow your microphone. It's true. You yeah, to. Studio C in the basement is, is not always in you, so. I've been to Studio C, and I have kind of open door privileges at your house. I, I feel like do. Yeah, yeah. When I decide to do my podcast, you might just wake up one morning and I'll be there already. This is in your basement. Molly and her chickens. <laughs> uh, now, last time you told the story about your single criminal defense right. experience in a case about the theft of a pair of skis. Yes. And you won an acquittal. I did. If you could bring home just one more criminal case of any type, what would it be? 
if I had to defend a criminal case? Yeah, you, you had an opportunity and you said, yeah, I want to, what would be the one that said, yeah, you know, I think I'll do this? I think if I could work on any criminal case right now, I would want to be a prosecutor in the inevitable Donald Trump sexual oh, misconduct case. <laughs> but you may want to cut that out for political reasons. But I, I think no, I, it's, it's not it's not us saying it's you. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and I have no presence. Who's going to come find me? Yeah, yeah. On no one's going. No one's going <laughs> to flame you on Twitter. Exactly. Okay. There is no way to flame me on Twitter. <laughs> All right, let's look at the first half of this episode, SVU Season 3, Episode 11, Monogamy. It's the most dangerous place in New York, the parking garage. Mm. At this one, we find a bloody woman who got robbed, not of her purse. Someone ripped the baby right out of her pregnant stomach. Ouch. Any word on the baby? Uh, not yet. Guy could have dumped that body anywhere. Or kidnapped it. Kidnapped. Well, at this age, it's viable. Mother's at 28 weeks. Baby was normal weight, no apparent complications. You think it's possible this baby could be out there somewhere alive? It's possible, but not for long. So where is the baby? As Nicole Manning fights for her life, husband and psychologist Richard Manning tells Stabler... Psychiatrist. He went to medical school. (laughs) Right. That's a key plot point, Kevin. (laughs) Psychiatrist Richard Manning tells Stabler and Benson he worried when his wife was late for dinner. The detectives get a bunch of fingerprints from her car they trace to Kyle Novacek, a patient at the methadone clinic Nicole works at. He says, it's not him, so... Okay. (laughs) (laughs) They track down junkie nurse Erin, who had a grudge against Nicole, but they don't think she'd be able to do a non-consensual C-section. Back at the station, Kathleen shows up to ream Elliot for forgetting to send a check to a really expensive Ivy League college she was never going to get into anyway. Later, a patrolman finds the dead baby boy in the dumpster, his head beaten in. Benson and Stabler take another run at Erin and play the no-you-don't-get-your-methadone-until-you-talk game. She thinks that it was Nicole's boyfriend, none other than Kyle Novacek. <laughs> when they bust him, he says he was having an affair with Nicole and the baby was his. Finally, Nicole wakes up in the hospital, but unable to remember her attacker. Detectives tell her the night of the attack, her husband Robert got worried when she didn't show up for dinner at 7. But she says the date for the husband was actually made for 7.30. Ooh. Ooh. That made the difference. <laughs> All the difference. Okay, so we start with this cheap guy, mad. He had to park in a Manhattan parking garage. Yep. And then he gets really pissed when there's blood all over his car. No, what happens is his obnoxious girlfriend says, Kevin! What? The door is all wet. Damn it, I just had it washed. What is this? Oh, God! What's this all over the car? And no, he gets Rebecca, mad. do the accent. You're from Long Island. <laughs> What's this all over the car? And then and then she goes and like who like feels something wet on a car and then decides to go in the headlights and look and see what's on their hands? Like nobody would do that. You would just do this and wipe no, it on your shirt. She and... couldn't do that because she was wearing that gorgeous pale blue jacket. Oh, it would true. have ruined it. That's true. What part of the car door do you touch? <laughs> <laughs> right. right, the handle. The That's handle. About it. Yeah. So it, you might get some on your fingertips, right? But you're not going to say, "Hmm, I wonder what's this." I'm just going to start rubbing. <laughs> it was, it was like Miyagi. all over, all over her hand. All over her hand. <laughs> now we know that the attack was premeditated because the suspect brought handy wipes. <laughs> I. If anyone who's had kids knows that the amount of handy wipes that they showed would not nearly clean up a, like a attempted murder. A surgery? Right. A, a forced right. surgery? It was like eight handy wipes in a Ziploc bag. Yeah. Yeah. Why didn't he just do something like bring gloves? Right. 
Instead right. of like, well, I'm just going to, you know, I'll get this out from under my fingernails. Well, we had to the... give Ice-T something to do in his leather jacket. So <laughs> this did. was like new, like relatively new Ice-T in SVU years, yeah, so right? Yeah, this is like his second season. Yeah, yeah, and he was still straight up Ice-T. He was not wearing the deconstructed cashmere jackets in this point in this in the series. He was full on, straight out of Compton, knee length leather jacket. Ponytail iced tea. Yeah, he's got the ponytail back there, so it's like, hey, at any minute if I get fired from this, I can go right back to music. Keep in mind, though, this was also the era in which Mariska Hargitay actually wore colors. I noted that in my <laughs> notes. Um, I made a note. I said, can I say I love Olivia's outfit? Royal blue and maroon? Earth tones. I never would have thought of that. I know. She didn't wear black through this entire episode. I know. At one point, she had brown pants and like a coral top. It was a completely right. different Mariska Hargitay than the one we've come to know, who is all, all black. Way. All black. All the time. So occasionally an off-white shell. All rest of the time, all black all the time. I was, I did Look at Kevin, he's colors. completely lost. He's completely <laughs> lost. We've lost him totally. No, the colors, and she had some sort of, you know, jewelry from J. Jill or Chico's that yeah. she was wearing. Yeah, she was looking fashionable. Hey, that's <laughs> great. <laughs> Okay, so they finally go get to do this interview with junkie nurse Aaron, and she's immediately throwing the V at Stabler. Your boyfriend doesn't mind the mess? He says I've got a boyfriend. Come on, a girl like you? I'm sure you have a few. You coming on to me? I'm into that. Mm. Your friend can watch. All right, why don't we start by having you sit down and answer a few of my questions? This guy gets more heroin push shoved in his face than anyone in the history of television. <laughs> Well, and with Junkie, <laughs> Junkie Aaron, in the first scene they have with her, she looks gorgeous. Yeah. She's doing pretty well for a junkie. She's had some fillers. She's had some Botox. She's definitely <laughs> been hitting the Juvederm and the lip implants. Where do you think she got the needles? It was from the Botox. It probably yeah. was. Yeah, she's repurposing those. Yeah. I thought she looked great for a junkie. Her hair looked good. Yeah. Listen, this is a rough episode for Stabler. Something's yeah. going on with him where he is extra stabler jerky. Everything I hate about this character comes out in this single episode. Every single thing I hate about him. First of all, poor Maureen. All she wants to do is apply to this aspirational college. We all know the stabler kids are Hudson University kids. We are Hudson, where the bad guys go to school. She thinks she's going to get into Columbia. She's pissed because he didn't send in the check for the application, which, by the way, is not exactly like a barrier to entry it's, all around. You know, guys, you know, I work at a college now. There is no way that a good student who they think is going to get in, they're going to be like, well, you didn't send the 50 bucks. So, <laughs> But if you can't afford to pay for the application, you can't afford to pay no, for they're college. They're going to call you on the phone and ask if you want an application fee waiver. That's right. Does, does your name end with lean? Are you a Kathleen, Colleen, or Maureen? Are you a stabler? Are you dicky? Is your dad a put-upon cop? <laughs> okay, so I need a drum roll. Okay. It's our very special guest star, John Ritter. Yay! Come and knock on my door, baby. Yeah, he's known for Three's Company, Sling Blade, and Eight Simple Rules for Dating My Teenage Daughter. He died in 2003, so oh. almost not less than two years after this appearance. Nicole was a good person. She is. Nicole is a good person. The doctor said there's still a chance she'll recover. You know, he was a hey, it's that guy for most of the 1970s. Mm. Before Three's Company, he was on New Heart. He was on Mary Tyler Moore, The Waltons. And he was the example that the industry pointed to for why... TV stars could never be movie stars hmm. because he had a bunch of flops uh, like a Hero at Large and a Marathon. 
And Never it, heard of any of those. Well, there you go. <laughs> They're flops. Right. flops. Yeah, and it wasn't until later, like people like Bruce Willis and Tom Hanks, Pierce Brosnan, they, they had sustainable movie careers that you know you could go back and forth. And now movie stars can be on TV shows and you know prestige TV shows, and and uh, we see TV actors, you know, like Ryan Reynolds and whatnot, like all of a sudden getting you know movie roles, and it's not a big deal. This episode, I just want to thank you guys for ruining Three's Company for me. <laughs> really? Because I watched this episode, and then I decided to jump down the rabbit hole of Three's Company. And Three's Company is now, for me, like all of the John Hughes movies that I loved. And then when I show my children, I'm like, no, no, it wasn't date rape. No, it was funny mm. in the 80s. <laughs> that's I right. promise. No, that's not racist, honey. That's just... Okay, that's the 80s. That's not homophobic. It's just the 70s. It's right? just the setup for the whole show. Exactly. So, Mr. Furley. Exactly. I watched a couple of episodes of Three's Company, and I was so appalled by how often Chrissy is groped and by how disgusting all the characters are. So, you mean like Larry? So gross. <laughs> yep. Predators. Yep. Yeah, it's all ruined for me now. I had good memories of it. Not to mention the entire homophobic setup of the entire show. So you're, right. you're saying Three's <laughs> right. Company is worse than SVU? No. When nothing it comes to, okay. is worse than SVU. <laughs> <laughs> but, but this did take me into a Three's Company little rabbit hole, and it's a terrible, terrible television show. Well, I think people thought that at the time as well, but for completely different reasons. Mm, right. Although right. it had been on the, the air for It was for on years. forever, though. It was on for a really long time. I had to dig deep to get like an episode with actual Suzanne Summers and not the yeah. other Chrissy. Yeah, we oh, were their yeah. two landlords. Right. Mr. Furley and Mr. the Ropers. Roper. Yeah. Uh-huh. The Ropers had their own spinoff show. Yep. And this is a rabbit hole. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happened to me last night. Now, we have two Hey, It's That guys. Mm. Hey, it's... That guy. Now, can you name the person who plays the boyfriend, Kyle Novacek? It's Bobby Carnavale. Who I yeah. love. I love, love him, too. Love him. Love him. Come on. Look. Wait a second. I'll tell you the truth. I care about the truth. We're taking him for a little DNA test. Prove you raped her. That's all the truth we need. <laughs> Positive. Nicole and I made love that afternoon. So he won an Emmy for Boardwalk Empire. Uh, his uh, He had a breakout role on Third Watch yep. and in Paul Blart Mall Cop. Mm. <laughs> and this is his fourth Law & Order appearance. Mm. His only uh, SVU appearance. I love him. Yeah, Why? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I honestly think that one of the reasons I love him, I mean, I watched Third Watch. I'm like a Third Watch devotee. Uh-huh. I loved Third Watch. Too. I really think that Third Watch is one of the most underrated. What was it come out in the 90s? I don't even know what it was 90s. on. Late yeah. 90s. Yeah. yeah. It's really- It crossed over that 9-11 threshold yeah, and they killed super, off one of the characters. Just yeah. one. I know. It should have been like all of them, yeah. technically. But like, um, I, I think that so many great actors, like Kim Raven was on Third Watch, mm-hmm. Bobby Cannavale, yep. Cannav- I always pronounce it Cannavale, I don't know how it's actually pronounced, was on Third Watch. And like all of these actors now- you see in all these other things and they can be I'll be traced back to this one really intense like romantically spiky fun uh, procedural type show I loved that show and that's where I've been in love with him ever since that show I I agree I also had a third watch crush on him I I loved him and their interaction with him here don't beat him up no come on stop it Elliot just another reason to hate Elliot (laughs) <laughs> Elliot is going to be written up. He definitely would not still be a cop. The union would be sick of him at this point. Isn't he such a workplace bully in this episode, too? He's just a dick to everyone. Yeah, he is. Uh, he his is. boss, his partner, everyone. Well, and what about, like, his daughter comes and he just goes into his boss's office. And the boss is like, oh, okay, no problem. There's, <laughs> there's nothing confidential in that office that you can't see. <laughs> uh, we also have another, hey, it's that guy. Can you tell me the, the actor who plays defense attorney Trevor Langan. Is it possible 
A fetus can take a breath while partially expelled, but die before it is fully expelled? No, he looked familiar, but I don't know who that is. That's Peter Herman, hmm. better known as Mr. Mariska Hargitay. Really? What? Really, yes. This is his first of 32 episodes on wow. SVU. Wonder how he got that gig. 2002, <laughs> 2017. Actually, they met on the set. Huh. He was uh, doing his guest role. They met. They hooked up. He put a couple of babies in her, uh-huh. uh, which precipitated some awkward Olivia Benson absences. Wardrobing. <laughs> yeah, wardrobing. Yeah. Behind the desk. <laughs> Behind the desk. I'm going to do computers for a while. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is really funny in this and this uh, season premiere of this season of SVU. Uh, the actress who plays Rollins is obviously pregnant Kelly in real life. And, and they yeah. have written it into the show, I guess, too. But like, there's a really funny scene where it's like, Super obvious. She's pregnant from like a yellow top, and as soon as she starts her sideways, it's like she's like eight months pregnant. And it's yeah. not even like a little bit subtle. Yeah, we didn't keep up with this news, but we did rewind. You said <laughs> rewind that. I'm like, oh well, you know, I don't want to say anything if I'm wrong. But uh, Peter Herman, his parents are German. Uh, he was born in New York, so you know, anchor baby. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but the, he, as a child, he lived in Germany, and he didn't learn to speak English until he, he was ten years old. But he has no German accent. Huh? He's just well, good for him. No wonder Mariska was so enamored. What? what? <laughs> I have to go back and look at him know. again. He made zero impression on me. So he looks like a hey, it's that guy. Like I definitely seen him in lots of other things, but they were probably all SVU episodes. Now that I think about it, yeah. <laughs> now that you know he was episodes. on for eight years, <laughs> I think that's more episodes than. Cassidy and Chester Lake. (laughs) Okay, so when they finally find this newborn baby in the dumpster, Olivia says, Are we positive it's the Manning baby? Are we positive it's the Manning baby? (laughs) How many dead babies are in dumpsters in New York? How many C-section attacks are there happening in that city? (laughs) I... I have to say, I was so disappointed that they actually found the baby dead, but then I realized I just should have known, because this is SVU. On regular Law & Order, the baby would have been alive, but SVU is like a special punishing yourself version of of Law & Order. Right. So I should have known at the beginning the baby's going to be dead. They are special victims. Right. It's special victims, but they also just always take it the extra mile to make it awful. Are they special, though? I mean, they literally wrapped that baby up like she was carrying like a salami out of a deli. It was. It looked like prime rib that you ordered, wrapped in butcher paper. It's really bad. Yeah, well, maybe the prop department didn't have the, you know, the rubber baby of yeah. the right size that yeah. they just keep, you know, for on hand for whatever <laughs> well, comes up. It is a TV show. I would all. love to see the prop room for Law & Order SVU. It would be like 8,000 Olivia Benson black outerwear coats. And fake rape kits. Fake rape kits. Rubber babies. Oh. <laughs> a lot of blood. A lot of blood. Lot of, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's Olivia's response. What about Elliot's response? The Elliot's response to the finding the dead baby is apex of why I hate Elliot, not just in this episode, but in all of Law and Order and all of the Law and Order universe, why he is one of my least favorite characters. The only question he can think to ask is What was it? Little boy. What was it? <laughs> right. Because if it's a girl, I'm not gonna try as hard. <laughs> Whatever. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> who like seriously, who cares? Like Well he, maybe he wants to name it Maureen. <laughs> but then he finds out it's a boy and then he still refers to the baby as it. 
through the yeah. whole rest of the episode. So right. what was the point of even finding out the gender? Right. The whole point of him finding out the gender is he clearly values one gender over another, which is why they had so many kids because you know he had to try for a boy. Yeah, keep going until he had Dickie. He's a hundred percent one of those dudes who's like, I'm gonna keep trying to like get that boy. I hate him. I feel I like you're projecting him. your own shit onto poor Mr. Stabler. Listen, I have two boys, all right? <laughs> I know what I'm doing over here. <laughs> Stabler would be great. Yeah. But if you found out that salami was female, you would be uh, <laughs> disinterested. Who cares who did it? I was so afraid when they were in the uh, medical examiner's office that they were going to show me the dead baby. Yeah, no, they just did the thing they, where they did the thing where they lift, lift the, the sheet. Blanket. But I, I had a moment of flinching to look away. I was like, please don't show me the baby. I think we've established the prop department didn't have the right size rubber baby. <laughs> I can't believe we're laughing about this. Okay, so well, okay, so that's Elliot's reaction. How about uh, how about Munch? Uncharacteristically, Munch believes in God in this episode. Oh, oh. I also was struck by that. How long did he live? Still trying to determine that. There was a God, but wasn't long. What conspiracy theorist is not like a complete atheist? He... If there was a God, it wasn't long. No, he's not. He does not believe in God. He very clearly says in other episodes that like religion is BS right. or whatever. It took this. It, it was took this dead baby to bring out his faith. It, and he said, "If it, what was it? If if there was a God, it wasn't long. Yeah, that how long the baby lived? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dark, awful. dark, very dark. But still, his like one minute belief in God totally took me out of the texture of the episode. Oh, he got over it fast. <laughs> Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. All right, let's take a look at the second half of this episode. Manning says he knew about his wife's affair and that the baby wasn't his, but he didn't care because three's company. (laughs) Oh, my. The whole squad gathers around an oversized map Mm. and puts little stickers on it and take turns explaining where Richard Manning was at every moment of the evening. Mm. Neighbors said Manning got in before 8.30, hour at the restaurant, plus walking time. It's plausible. Nicole didn't get to the garage until 7.20. Because Richard told her that they were meeting at 7.30. We're thinking that it's deliberate. So he'd know exactly where she'd be and still have time to set up his alibi. One hour window tops, crosses the park, attacks sir, cleans up, goes back home. When they search the Manning's apartment, they learn, among other things, that his closet is really neat and hers is really messy, so violence was inevitable. <laughs> I, I felt like that was a little bit like my life. Like, do you know, my husband's closet looks like that, and he's not a psychopath. And when they said her closet was a disaster, it looked just like, like it looked exactly like mine. It looks like mine after I clean it. <laughs> like, there was nothing on the floor. There was like that one purple thing thrown over the top bar because she didn't have time to put it on a hanger. Wong is able to diagnose that Manning is controlling, insecure, and obsessed with appearances just by looking at his Nordic elliptical. <laughs> right. This, their, their theory is Manning wanted order in his life, and the arrival of another man's child would destroy that. Stabler wants Cabot to charge Manning with murdering the baby he ripped out of the uterus, but Cabot says, Hello, Roe, meet Detective Wade. <laughs> If they're gonna get, if they're gonna bring him down on a murder charge, they're gonna have to prove that the baby took at least one breath on its own. 
On the stand, Warner says the lungs looked like they were inflated, but has to admit on cross it could have been caused by postmortem gases. Well, it looks like Manning is going to get away with it. Seconds before she's about to cross-examine him, Finn enters the court with an important-looking piece of paper. Mm. She gets Manning to admit that he would have known if there were other affairs his wife was having. Well, this paternity test right here that I just got now says the baby wasn't Kyle's. Therefore, you killed your own baby. <gasps> a stunned Manning admits the child cried when he killed him. And then he whimpers like a little bitch. <laughs> Fade to black. Fade to black. <laughs> Roll the credits. Okay, so Elliot has been acting like a douche this whole Super douche. episode. Oh, so, an and he goes all peak stabler when he's like, I can't even talk about it at home. <laughs> oh. Just never goes away, you know? Every case a little bit more horrific than the last, and uh, I go home. What am I supposed to do? Talk about my day at work? Honey, today a guy cut a baby out of his wife's stomach. Pass the gravy, please. So you just don't talk at all? That's no solution, Elliot. Well, one of us has to be able to sleep at night. And Olivia, (laughs) it's like classic. She's like, you need to talk about it. Yeah, she gives him a lecture on marriage. The same, this is like just as bad as when he gives her lectures on her uterus. Her uterus, yeah. yes. It's like mind your own freaking business, Olivia. And there is like a weird dynamic between them where it's like Olivia's job to help keep Elliot's family together. That is a thread that kind of goes through a lot of these episodes. I mean, even in that later episode where like they get into that car accident, it's because Olivia is driving Elliot's wife to the hospital. There's this whole, like, dynamic where she's, like, this extra member of the family, like, implying that there's this tremendous amount of trust between Elliot's wife and Olivia, which is why nobody thinks they would ever cheat, except for the entire audience, like, at this point, who thinks they're going to get together or whatever. But it's weird. And you even see it in this episode when the daughter comes out, Kathleen, and she's like, hey, Olivia. But, Molly, you understand (laughs) why a woman would have a super sexual attraction to her best friend's husband, right? Oh, it is a constant (laughs) problem that I have. It is. There are two reasons I might sneak into your house in the middle of the night. One is to podcast. Yeah. And the second is to Surprise! try to get with you when you've I been don't... in a bad mood and treating Rebecca badly. Exactly. Yeah, that's the, yeah, that's the sexiest time. Exactly. That's so hot. Exactly. I, I, I can't thought... even talk about it at home. Pass the gravy. The sad thing here is that I can't stand Stabler, but I didn't even notice he was being a jerk because he's always <laughs> a jerk. So when Olivia has her like special moment with him where she says, Or you could just stop being a jerk and tell me what the hell's going on with you. Oh, he was being slightly more of a jerk than usual. Yeah. But he's a terrible character. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to say Wong goes out on a limb by criminally psychoanalyzing Manning by checking out his bedroom in the master suite. Everything about him is all about appearances, uh, working out, this gym equipment. For some reason, he has feelings of being unattractive, unmanly. His advantage is that he's extremely intelligent, as evidenced by his careful planning. Ironically, he's probably a pretty gifted psychiatrist. This is one of the early, we talked about this a couple weeks ago on the podcast. There, when, when Wong was first brought on as a character, like he was weird. He was supposed to be like eccentric and weird. And then over time, just becomes a character and it's like they just forgot. They just like completely forgot they brought him on as this more. So we could have called him Asian Gorin? <laughs> like he was a little bit yeah. Gorin-y in these episodes. First of all, there's the obligatory reminder to the audience that psychiatrists are doctors. They are not psychologists. Yes. They went to medical school. So he would have had at least some practice 
right. ripping a baby out of a woman in a parking garage, apparently. And then ask her how she feels about it. Right. Yeah. But I loved that scene where, first of all, why is the psychiatrist going with them on the search of the house, period? Craig and asked them. Super weird, though. Right. Yeah. That's, like, odd. Like, ha- like, that's a weird thing that would come out in court, right? Like, who was yeah. there at the search? Well, and now, the psychiatrist. having a neat house is a problem now? Like, can I not win? Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand it. I thought the house looked great. It looked fine. I, what was funny to me, though, is when they opened the closet for where the la- dirty laundry was, and it was like whites, whites, darks, and dry cleaning. I'm like, I want those baskets. Did I, I want get those, those at home goods. Baskets too. Yeah. Call up Wayfair, get those. And baskets. the laundry in the baskets were folded <laughs> like they just came from That's Old right. Navy. That's right. Now, Rebecca, if I had my closet like that, mm. I mean, you would be throwing the V all over me, right? Yes. <laughs> it would be very sexy. It's so sexy that I might have a problem with my best friend's husband. <laughs> No, I thought that whole search was odd. And I also thought at this moment that John Ritter was a very strange casting choice because if he's someone obsessed with looking good, he looks a little puffy. Yeah. He's got some extra pounds on him. He's not doing the Nordic track right. every day. This for sure. would have been a time to bring in Pierce Brosnan mm. uh, and have someone who clearly is focused on looks and has control. Control. Yeah. yeah. No, I totally agree. And I, I think that they're. The whole, like, single white femaleness of the way that we're supposed to, like, make that association when we see their towels. I mean, that was, like, a cultural, like, pop cultural reference. You see, at that point, neatly fold the towels and you immediately think, oh, that guy is going to go after Julia Roberts and try to kill her. That's why I don't fold the towels. I want you to feel <laughs> safe and secure in our home. That's right. It's a function of feeling safe at home. Okay, this sounds like one of those law school rhetorical debates, right, about yep. whether the victim is a person or a fetus and when this becomes a crime and when it's a murder and when it's The only reason that baby is dead is because he bashed its skull in. Now, I don't care if you call it a person or not, that's murder. That argument could also be used to condemn legal abortion. Do you want me to charge every doctor who performs an abortion with murder? Abortion is different. It's the mother's choice. We're not talking about the mother's rights. You want to charge for homicide with the fetus as the victim. You give the fetus rights. Do you want to go down that road? It's not the same thing. In the eyes of the law, it is. Slippery slope. It was a slippery slope. You're the attorney, Molly. What did you think about this? Well, Did it sound like something you would talk about and bitch bitch about in school? Absolutely. And it is, I mean, it is something where this was the other rabbit hole I went down, a slightly more intellectual rabbit hole than the Three's Company one. (laughs) Uh, 30 states have laws about- um, Fetal homicide. Fetal homicide. And New Hampshire does not happen to be one of them. There, There was some law that was looked at. But it is a slippery slope because if you can imagine, if you say, look- you can be charged with the death of a 28-week fetus, then any woman having, theoretically, any woman having an abortion after that point could be charged. So it is problematic, and I knew that's where they were going, and I was like, this is why this whole thing matters. Yeah. You know, this is the point. But it is one of those slippery slopes. Well, luckily, we have Elliot Stabler, who is both a sanctimonious medical expert and a women's rights advocate, to try to explain it to us. Uh, but no, the fetal homicide thing, it actually comes up almost every legislative session right. here in New Hampshire. There was a case here just a couple years ago where there was a terrible automobile crash where the person who was responsible for the crash was negligent homicide and the, the victim was pregnant and, and there was talk of whether or not to charge with two deaths and it was a whole thing and that's when the fetal fetal homicide bill comes up over and over and over again and people on the abortion rights side of it will say this is a targeted law designed to erode abortion rights. Well, and the problem is you start running into problems where what if I'm 28 weeks pregnant and I decide to go skiing 
and I fall and my baby dies. Can I be charged with that homicide? That seems crazy to mm. me. Yeah. But that is the slippery slope that you end up with if you allow these Also, if you're 28 weeks pregnant and you can ski, good on you, girl. Good on you. <laughs> hey, it, it ha- this is New Hampshire, man. People ski. I know they do. But it does set up plot-wise the idea that what they have to prove, because he's already going to admit that he did this attack, is whether or not the baby was had had taken right, a breath. Right. It was. It's an interesting. And, and how do you do that? And yeah. That's, and that ends up pro- propelling the rest of the episode. I actually loved the medical stuff in this episode. It was fun. I mean, first of all, you do, I, did, I did learn dead babies always fun. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I did learn the not so fun fact that quote neonates decompose faster than regular people. Uh, interesting. Fun, not so fun fact. Um, but then there was that whole scene where Mariska Hargitay's future husband, like, spouts some, what, medical terminology, post-mortem putrefaction thing. It was, dare I say, interesting for a moment there in an episode of SVU. Well, the thing that bothered me about it, because I have to be the legal buzzkill, is that there is no way that that cross-examination line wouldn't have come up already. I mean, the medical examiner is going to know that when she doesn't do that test a second time, Obviously, they would have talked about that before. So that was frustrating. I also think they're taking away the power of the jury. Mm. So just on a technicality, this guy admits to essentially butchering his own wife in a parking garage and the jury's going to walk away on like, oh, well, we don't know if the baby lived or died. They're going to find him guilty on for some reason. There was one weird moment, though, where they talked about the breath and they were like, but was the baby totally out when it took that breath like there was like was it a totally and I was like does that mean if there was one foot left in there and it took a breath like it was weird like well, talk about slippery slope weird lines right so I tried to find that because it looked like it was some sort of law in New York that in order to be born you have to be fully out which I can't imagine because here we go if you are doing a c-section and you pull the baby out but his feet are still in and you snap his neck I still think that's a murder yeah What's well, dark, Molly? I know. This is what you guys... <laughs> half the time I'm raising chickens and decorating my house, and then I come talk to you about this stuff, and my dark side comes out. So so, so much good stuff happens, I think, at the end. So mm. first you have Stabler in his unconstitutional face-off with yep. Dr. Evil. Because he's Clary Starling all of a sudden. Yeah, but doesn't it seem a little weird that the controlled Dr. Manning is suddenly a Bond villain? <laughs> Right. He comes out of nowhere, and I don't think he would ever agree to admit to this. Why admit it? Wouldn't you do anything to protect your family? Killing a child? No, I don't see myself doing that. Maybe not, but you know what your problem is? You understand that impulse. You know exactly why I did what I had to do. Protect what you have by destroying it? No, I didn't destroy anything. Yeah, I I don't. It's so. I'm sorry, and I know that John Ritter didn't always play like good guys all the time. I know. I'm sure he had to have played villains and other things. Mm-hmm. He's just so difficult to buy as an evil person. He has the kindest and warmest face, and he's like, I know that you understand that impulse, Elliot. And I'm like, I just want to give you a hug, John Ritter. <laughs> I know you're going to die soon. I know you're so nice. Yeah, I just don't buy it. Don't buy it at all. But I do buy Elliot as a psychopath. More psychopathic. Right, exactly, right. And so then Cabot has this, like, I think really brilliant cross-examination where she leads him right into this trap. Is it at all possible your wife was having an affair that you didn't know about? No, absolutely not. How do you know this? I am aware of what goes on in my own house. So the only two people who could have possibly fathered Nicole Manning's child were yourself and Kyle Novacek. She told me it was him. People's four? 
This is the paternity test against Nicole Manning's child and Kyle Novacek, proving that, in fact, Mr. Novacek is not the father. Objection. I don't think cross-examinations on this show get better than that. It was a very good cross-examination, although the whole thing around discovery and this like last-minute entrance of the attorney test dispatched with a little never. bit too quickly, would you say, Molly? Never. It would never happen. The... <laughs> never. A cop runs in with a piece of paper. The judge is like, I'll let it in. No, no. No, there would at least be like a 15-minute recess yeah. and a chambers conference. There's no way she would just keep him on the stand and, and put this in front of him. What I thought, thought was really interesting is that when they found Nicole's car— mm. They got Kyle's fingerprints on it after one day. Right. After saying, we got to eliminate everybody in the family and all the parking attendants and, and then uh, you know, everybody else who test drove the car. But it took weeks for the paternity test to come back. <laughs> I mean, it, Or months. Uh, well, yeah, like home DNA does it in like one day. Yeah. You're like, oh, well, we're still waiting on that. Well, the other thing that's frustrating with Law & Order is the fact that you would never go to trial when your discovery wasn't finished. Mm-hmm. So you would just ask for a continuance to say, look, this key piece of evidence isn't back from the lab yet. Right. And we need to continue this for 90 days or six months. They're, they would never go to trial and say, well, let's just wing it on a key piece of evidence or like, main theory. Or they would never say, let's just not test the baby because the boyfriend says it was his. So yeah. it must have been his. Let's just yeah. not test it. Because everybody agrees it was yeah, his. Yeah, he didn't lie to us at any point during this. <laughs> well, and the whole premise that the woman needs to be, she's a nurse. She's got a pretty good career. And she needs to stay with John Ritter, who is controlling, and not be with Bobby. Who seems super nice. Who seems super nice. Because now she's a mom. I always hate the, now I'm a mother, so I understand. Or now I'm a mother, so my whole personality's changed. Yeah. I hate those tropes that oh, yeah. come up. Oh, Me too. But, you know, I, I, I think Finn is cutting it a little close on delivering that report. Maybe five minutes later, it would have been all over. It would have been all over. <laughs> I'd be like, what? Exactly. I've been waiting for this? I'm sorry, I was stuck in traffic. Yeah. You know, we don't even know for sure the report was real. It could have been like, what if you knew? <sighs> right. A few good men? Yeah. She, she a few knew? good men, Tim? <laughs> they could have done that whole line of questioning without the report. Yeah. So, but they probably would have done it in a police questioning room. They wouldn't have tested this. They out would have in gotten the everyone together who, like, in the whole family, and everyone in the whole, all in a room. All in a room. <laughs> I love Stephanie March, though. This is a very good Cabot episode. It really is because she stands up to Stabler a bunch. She's like, "Fuck you, Elliot. You don't know what you're talking about. You're not a lawyer. You didn't go to law school." She's correct. And then she also does this. She does like a couple of really great things in this episode. Did your son cry before you killed him? He only cried a little. He only cried a little. And she looks beautiful. She always looks great. She does. (laughs) I didn't know many law students or other lawyers who look like that. Listen, we live in New Hampshire. We don't know anybody who looks like that. (laughs) (laughs) Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start Start saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. 
Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Okay, let's take a look at the real-life story that inspired this episode. It's time for Ripped from the Headlines. Can't wait. You think you know who did it. You think you know who did it. But you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. Ripped from the Headlines. This episode is based on the murder of pregnant mother Bobby Jo Stinnett. The 23-year-old Missouri woman was eight months pregnant when her body was discovered in her home. Authorities determined she'd been strangled from behind and her baby had then been cut out of her womb. Investigators turned their attention to Lisa Montgomery. She and the victim were both dog breeders and had attended dog shows together. Despite having her tubes tied in 1990, Montgomery had lied to people about being pregnant on several occasions and claimed to have recently had a miscarriage. When police arrived at her home in Kansas, they found the one-day-old baby girl and placed Montgomery under arrest. She was charged with the federal crime of kidnapping resulting in death, a capital offence. Montgomery's attorney argued her violence was caused by a psychosis which falsely made her believe she was pregnant and that she had brain damage from severe beatings she received from her parents as a child. The jury didn't go for it and in 2007 found her guilty. Lisa Montgomery is currently in a federal prison in Fort Worth, Texas, where she's currently awaiting her execution. So in the real case, both the mother and baby died? Or no, the, the baby survived. The baby, so, the baby was reunited with uh, the father. So why did they kill the baby in this episode? Well, it's inspired by Rebecca. <laughs> do you know how hard it is to find a 28-week baby with a twin who wants to do television work, Rebecca? <laughs> <laughs> there was no way. Okay, now, despite knowing that essentially what's happening here is you're doing a C-section, it seems hard to believe to me that you, know, you could cut out a baby you know, right out of the mother and, and, and run away. Like, that's something that could be done by It, it happens. Yeah. I do it? feel like it happens a lot. Now, I want to say a lot, but it does well, happen. I mean, if it happened three times, that would feel like a lot. Was Have you ever yeah. seen a C-section? I mean, I remember that surgery show that used to be on a million years ago? Yes. So I didn't have to have a C-section with, with either of my kids. But there used to be that surgery show on that it was like on TLC or whatever. Yeah, it's like super violent. Yeah. It's literally, they just slice open the stomach and pull the baby out. It, it is, I feel like, I'm not going to lie. I feel like in a pinch I could probably do it with the right instruments. On I yourself am... or with somebody else? <laughs> not on myself. <laughs> wow. I'm so glad I'm like not having any more children. <laughs> Rebecca can try her C-section skills out. I, I don't mean in a pinch like I'd be trying to murder somebody. I mean a pinch like if there were some, you know. During like, the zombie apocalypse. Exactly. Um, yeah. Desert Somebody's island pregnant situation. And we somehow You're on a transatlantic flight. I can't yeah. guarantee that that woman would survive like Erin did in this episode. I mean, which, by the way, was anyone else surprised besides me that she actually woke up? I was no, pretty... She looked great she wake end. up? She was fine. She, I, yeah, she seemed okay. Yeah. What are you honestly supposed to tell your friends and neighbors about an infant baby that just shows up at your house? No, these I are was the people, pregnant. I didn't tell anybody. They put, like, pillows under their dresses and, like, walk around and pretend to be... I feel like a lot of people do pretend to be pregnant. Hey, our male lady asked me if I was pregnant, like, two months ago, so I could totally get away with it. (laughs) (laughs) I could see a murder happening out of that one. (laughs) Where's that male lady now? I'm like, nope, just got fat, but thanks. (laughs) Food, baby. (laughs) Okay, so is this a, a capital punishment worthy offense? 
Well, I, I guess part of the question that you have to assume that in you're some cases that I there's believe capital, in capital punishment. punishment. Right. <laughs> Which, you know, I think I'm on record on the show as saying that I do not believe I in do capital not, I do punishment. not either. So I would say that there's no such thing as a capital punishment worthy offense. But if it were the law of the land, you know, uh, and it sounds like it is, what is this, Missouri? Yeah. Okay. So uh, it's federal offense. Yeah. Okay. I would say that if that were the law and if I did believe in capital punishment, then going into it somebody's is, house and, <laughs> uh, and slicing them open and leaving them there to die as you steal their baby is probably about as bad as it gets. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah, it's essentially a kidnapping. Oh, uh, I'm confused a, a, about yeah. why she's charged with kidnapping and not murder. She's kidnapping resulting in the death of the mother. Wait, why is she charged with murder? Right. Well, I think this is probably has a special. This is oh, probably this, this. Yeah, this it's is one of those This things. is the yeah the the bigger. That's how they made it a death penalty case. Yeah. Was because like if you're committing a felony and somebody dies, then oh, you get the right. death penalty. Right. Yeah. 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 Got it. Got it. So straight up murder wouldn't have done it, but this did. Yeah. No, I think that's it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Legal. We have a lawyer in the room, and I'm literally well, and, just and stabbing those, in the dark. Those <laughs> sentence, those sentence enhancements, though, are always bizarre. You know, you commit a bank robbery, and someone dies in a car accident. You know, on the way out, and it's Death suddenly a, it's Friar. a capital offense. But the bank robbery itself wouldn't be, and the killing the person in the car accident wouldn't be. So. I think that cutting a baby out of a woman's stomach, you can't say that her death was not foreseeable. Right. 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 It's not like she tried to make it work. But she watched that surgery show. She was pretty sure she could do it. Right. (laughs) Like Rebecca. Exactly. In a pinch. Now, Montgomery's attorney had originally wanted to argue that it was her brother, Tommy, who was the killer. Not her, but her own brother, Tommy, killed. Hmm. He had an alibi. But I'd say, that's pretty cold. (laughs) Right. <laughs> Throw your brother under the bus. Those yeah. parents were real winners, Yeah, huh? I hope you're acquitted so you can come over for Thanksgiving. <laughs> hey, that's going to do it for us. I want to thank our guest, Molly McCain. Thank Molly, you. where can our listeners follow you online? <laughs> Pictures of chickens for everyone at uh, Instagram, Colada Kitty. And I'm also on Facebook, but I am not on Twitter. You have to put her Instagram thing in the show notes for this episode so people can find her and, in fact, see she is not BSing you about the chickens. All right, we'll do that. You can track me at Kevin P. Flynn and Rebecca, you're at Reb Lavoie. You can also tweet to us at Law and Order Pod or follow us on Instagram with no chickens at These Are Their Stories Podcast. Our newsreader was Cy Freider. Our theme music was performed by Uncanny Valleys. Content assistance from Travis Roy. Henry Lavoie and Lily Flynn have quit the show. Those kids having their own teenage stuff and can't help us out anymore. To get ad-free episodes, we're going to get them back, though. Ad-free episodes of These Are Their Stories a week early. You can get it by signing up for Stitcher Premium. Get your first month free at stitcherpremium.com slash crime. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act Fair Use Exemption for Criticism and Commentary. If you want to know what episodes we're talking about in our upcoming shows, go to lawandorderpodcast.com. Sign up for our newsletter for your chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Are Their Stories was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio and is a production of Partners in Crime Media. Partners in Crime Media. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. 
Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.